0: Welcome back to another edition of the Pennsylvania Prisons and Parole Podcast. I'm Ryan Tarkowski. On our show, we regularly highlight the educational, vocational, and other programs that prepare the incarcerated population for reentry. But there is more to life than school and work. That's something that's true for everyone listening to this and for those who are incarcerated. Today, we'll chat with Treatment Services Program Administrator Jennifer Digby to learn about the sports, leisure, charitable, and other activities offered at our state correctional institutions. So what are the different kinds of activities that are available in our state correctional institutions?
1: There are various activities that are offered. It honestly depends on which institution um, you are looking at when you are looking at the activities department. We have anything from organized sports, uh, intramurals. We bring things in like pickleball, handball, cornhole, things along those lines, both inside and outside of the activities department. Many of the things run in our yards, our activity yards or our housing unit yards. Uh, We offer things also such as music instructions where we will have inmates teach other inmates how to play instruments. Um, They have the ability to play in bands, we also have mural arts programs where we can just do basics, learning on how to paint, along with the various murals that are throughout the institution.
0: We feature a lot of those murals on our social media. How did they get started? Like, where was the impetus behind that? Because we have some beautiful artwork in our in our facilities.
1: They actually started um, back around 2015 when we started providing murals into our diversionary treatment unit um, to lessen the stigma of the segregation units um, and the look of them so they did not look as dreary and gray. And As we started providing them into our diversionary treatment units, then we started moving them out to our residential treatment units and then out into the general population and it just expanded from there into our gyms as well.
0: And what's the feedback been like? What's uh, from the people that work in the facilities and the inmates that live there, um, what do they say about the murals and, and their importance?
1: Initially, it was an adjustment for them because they were used to just looking at painted walls. But once they started to see the amazing talent that we have inside our institutions, both the drawings and the actual painting of the walls, then many staff started to express interest and give feedback as to what other murals they would like to see within the institution.
0: What are the popular ones these days?
1: The sports. (laughs) Uh, depending on which institution is uh, you are at, kind of depends on which sporting teams are represented within their walls. So, how
0: do you decide what activities go in a facility and what don't? Like, everything is very um, regimented, right? Like, it, these aren't there by mistake. What features of a, a specific activity are you looking for, and what activities make good activities inside a prison?
1: The activities are catered to the population that the prisons currently house. Um, When we're looking at our female institutions, we tend to do more along the lines of exercise classes, quilting, things along those lines, not as much of your organized sports and your intramurals or your high-impact cardio classes. Um, Once you start moving into the male facilities, that's where a lot of times you have the big interest in basketball, football, soccer, things along those lines. Um, If we have quahana boot camp we also run a lot of the uh, regimented exercise classes as opposed to more of just a um, lax program They also look at as far as population and the age, the older populations. We run various programs that um, cater to those disabilities. The older population is not necessarily interested in the high-impact cardio, so even just walking laps in the gym or uh, low-impact weight machines or, you know, free weights that are still in the institution, they cater it to the uh, age and whatever restrictions there may be medically to still be able to offer the various activities and exercise to the population.
0: Now, are you always looking f- to teach something in those activities, or sometimes it's just about passing time in a day and, and making life a little bit more bearable inside a facility?
1: Yes. We're, lo- we're looking to do both, actually. We're, all, we're looking to teach... Anybody, um, new sports, any knowledge. Knowledge is power, and uh, learning a new sport, learning how to work and interact with other people as a team and as a group um, are huge life skills for out um, in the real world. We also look as far as to do this to keep people busy. Um, The busier you are, the faster your time goes, Um, and you may find what you like to enjoy and do while inside prison. It may be not something that you thought of to be available or may not have been available in the area that you came from before you were incarcerated. So it expands um, your knowledge, gives you some extracurricular activities um, to make your time go faster. So let's back up a little bit. How long have you been doing this? Um, well, I've been in the Department of Corrections for 19 years. I spent my first 17 years inside the correctional walls and I have been in my current position now for almost two years.
0: We're talking with Jennifer Digby, the Treatment Services Program Administrator for the Pennsylvania Department of Corrections. Almost two decades of, of being with the DOC now. Mm-hmm. Anytime that we post about activities or um, sports or something like that on our social media channels, inevitably there'll be somebody in our comment section in our audience that maybe doesn't think that there should be these kind of activities in our facilities. Maybe they want the time to be harder or the time to uh, – uh, they, they don't want any fun to be had in a state correctional institution. Over the years, have you seen those ideas shift, the, the thinking in that way um, change, and maybe uh, to the point where we're at now where we are offering more uh, activities than mm-hmm. we maybe have in the past?
1: Yes, I do. I, I believe that as time goes on and as we make people more aware of what actually goes on in our institution, it's a good knowledge builder to know that in order to keep people busy and to be productive citizens, we have to give them pro-social and proactive things to do. And sitting in a cell for 24 hours a day does not um, incorporate that into people's lifestyle. Um of our population will be coming back out into the community, and we want them to come out better than when they came in. And being able to provide them with these type of opportunities gives them some good positive things to fall back on once they come out into the community. Um, We can't expect people to be good, upstanding citizens if we're not teaching them what good, upstanding activities are.
0: And sometimes you can teach those lessons not using a book or a PowerPoint presentation or a lecture, but it's just living day-to-day life, playing those sports, learning how to be part of a team, play within the
1: rules, that sort of thing. That all builds on itself, right? Most definitely. Most definitely. You learn to take care of yourself. Um, many times we, we tend to um, keep ourselves busy with things that are not as um, beneficial for our health and well-being. So being able to learn these um You know to give us some type of social skills to give us some type of hobbies to do when we get out um, it it speaks in volumes as far as to be able to build your character talk a little bit about
0: the safety and security of the facility we're not doing this just to benefit the incarcerated population an occupied incarcerated population um, with like you were saying earlier uh, something to do something to look forward to during the day that helps the safety and security of the staff as well correct
1: most definitely most definitely the more that people sit around the more chance they have to do things and get involved in things that are not pro-social idle hands are a devil's workshop so um, if we are teaching individuals and teaching our staff that in order to keep people busy with positive Um, things in life. It will help to keep the safety and the security of the institution because people are busy doing stuff that they enjoy, not busy doing stuff that is going to get them into further issues.
0: What are some of the newer activities, newer initiatives
1: that have been going on that you're very proud of? Um, I will say as far as one of our biggest things we do is our inmate organizations. They are hugely involved in both inside the prison walls to help benefit their population, their community inside, but they also do um, extensive work on the outside with the communities. Um, But just in the past year, for the year of 2022, they donated over $288,000 to local charities. Uh, Each institution gets to choose through their inmate organization, who they want to donate to, um, and they run various um, fundraisers to be able to bring that money about and donate it to the local um, charities, the local, like, such things as they will donate book bags to school districts um, they will give um, supplies or money to women's shelters um, they will donate supplies to veterans organizations veterans homes things along those lines so it gives a good sense of being able to help your community inside but also giving back to the community outside
0: I'm glad you brought that up because I actually talked to a reporter gosh it must have been about a year ago now they saw something on our Facebook page about a donation and they were shocked to know that the incarcerated population donated money and, and their time and their efforts to this organization outside of the walls. They asked me stuff like well you know how did the inmates decide who to choose and I had explain it's um, a lot like you me or Kurt might want to donate to a charitable organization in our day-to-day lives. These are organizations that mean a lot to the uh, incarcerated people, maybe their families, maybe their, their communities
1: far as with the choice from the organizations the depending on which institution you look at they have multiple inmate organizations some may have one some may have three or four and within those organizations some institutions also have subcommittees and depending on what those committees represent kind of depends on what charity work they do and where they um look to donate their funds uh, big example sci phoenix they um try to help out with gun violence. And they have donated before to help family members that have lost uh, children. To help pay for their funeral costs. Um, They said a big thing is with schools and YMCAs and anything along those lines. So a lot of times it depends on um, what is affecting the community as a whole where the prison is located and that is what drives where their charitable donations and time goes to.
0: And it's important to remember that these men and women that are incarcerated in our facilities, they still have ties to their communities where they came from,
1: right? Yes, very much so and we wholeheartedly um, represent that we want them to do that we encourage it that way once they have um, the the ability to go back out into the community they still have that tie
0: so how does a charity drive in a state prison work the inmates aren't walking around with uh you know coins and dollar bills to toss into the uh, salvation army kettle how do they give their money to an outside organization
1: Um, Some of the events will include just a monetary donation um, if they do, say they may do a walk, um, a walk for mental health awareness or suicide prevention where they pay a nominal fee to participate in the walk and then that is donated as a cash donation to the charity that they chose for that 5K or walk. Um, they also do fundraising where they will offer various items to be able to purchase, and the uh, cost of that purchase will include uh, monetary amount of donation to whichever charitable organization is going to benefit from that fundraiser.
0: Is there any specific fundraiser that you can think back that means a lot to you, or that was that surprised you?
1: I would say there's not one in particular. I. When I look at the totals, each year I get um, the list of the totals that the organizations have done as a whole across the state. We have 24 institutions across the state, and to see that they have donated over $300,000 just in one year to various organizations is amazing, absolutely amazing. Some of these individuals make not a lot (laughs) you know they may make they like less than a dollar an hour and they're still able to use that money to be able to donate it to a good cause
0: now we're talking with jennifer digby she's a treatment services program administrator here at central office but every facility has their own activities department correct that is correct how do they work with you and with
1: within their own institutions um, I am the statewide coordinator, so I'm kind of the one that oversees the general runnings of the institution. Um, I oversee the policies that run the uh, programs that they do. Um, I go around and I audit them to make sure that they are following the policies and procedures. But I also support them as far as when they're running different uh, fundraisers, when they're running different organizations, when they have different interests, when they want to start bouncing ideas back and forth to see if it's something that is interesting just for that institution or if it's interested statewide Mm -hmm. um, and what the implications are behind it in order to get it up and running uh, to be able to do that Um, one of the other big things activities do when we uh, pull into our volunteer services pool we have volunteers that come in that run basketball games and we have volunteers that will come in as a basketball team and play our inmate population and so um, Things along those lines we, we work on coordinating that, that way those basketball teams can go to all twenty four institutions if, you know, it is it has the ability to do it within uh, the realms of their time. Can you talk a little bit about
0: the volunteers and the difference they make in our system? Um, I know a lot of the volunteerism had to be kind of put on the back burner during the pandemic, and we started bringing them back in. and We recently uh, highlighted some volunteer banquets at different facilities, thanking our volunteers. But what kind of difference do volunteers make in, uh, for the, for the work you do?
1: Volunteers make a huge difference in the state as a whole. Um, We use volunteers from anything from education to religious services to activities. Um, We use them to help run some of our groups, but they help fill the gap where um, we may not have the services available through our staffing complements, and so the volunteers come in and are able to provide those um, additional services to our inmate population. And they are also, they come in with no hidden agenda or no, you know, um, they don't have a job outside of coming in to providing the services that they're looking to offer to the inmate population. Um, Activities-wise, aside from the traveling sports teams, we also bring in concerts. Um, so the inmate population can listen to various music. We bring in comedy acts. We bring in magic shows. So I mean, Again, we, it's just
0: important for them to have something to look forward to, right?
1: Most definitely. Most definitely. And it's something that they may not have known that they enjoyed until they took the time to attend an event that's sponsored by the activities department
0: to have a creative outlet or to see like something that's available might be opening up a whole new world for them
1: most definitely i would say one of the probably the biggest things that we've noticed is how much artistic ability whether it be through the farm like form of murals or teaching art classes or teaching other individuals to play music um you know art is a huge expression and many times uh, that talent goes unnoticed because of what the individuals come into our system from.
0: So what's on the horizon for 2024 and beyond? Are there any
1: any new initiatives that you're overly excited about? Um, Right now we are just trying to get the institutions back up and running to normal operation. COVID was... um, was really hard on the institutions, especially seeing we couldn't run a lot of the activities. We couldn't mingle people together. So Because of
0: social distancing and and, um, zoning, right? Correct,
1: and correct. So it's the activities departments getting everything back together. This will be uh, the first year coming in where there's no COVID restrictions. So those should be able to run business as usual and be able to run the sports teams and the intramurals and um, bring anything new. And about every year our population is... Um, assessed we uh, pull them and ask them what they'd like to see what they'd like to do if there's anything that we are not um, coming up with through our knowledge and so as we get those back that's kind of what we look and try to form the new year with as far as offerings
0: is there any um, area that you're looking for volunteers or that you that you need help in uh, that somebody listening to this might be able to reach out and and offer assistance
1: I would say one of the big ones will be uh, sports. Sports are huge inside of our institutions, regardless of what population is, and to be able to have the ability to have teams come in and play uh, the population, to have that contact, to so be able to have that sportsmanship and that team-like um, ability. Because right now... You know, they, they play their peers. So having somebody come in from a team outside of that is definitely a huge asset. Um, bringing in knowledge, whether it be um, art classes, whether it be yoga classes, stuff along those lines that our staff may not have the time or the ability. They may not have that expertise to teach them. So being able to provide those services above and beyond what we can is awesome. Before
0: that you go, I think you covered it as we were talking, but uh, we were so focused on reentry, and reentry kind of guides everything we do as a department. How do these activities kind of set people up for a successful reentry when they are released?
1: Oh, uh, They set them up as far as with um, the knowledge of what they've learned while they've been participating in them, how to... Um, Pro socially interact with other individuals, um, how to be able to take what they've learned and reach out to the community and continue what they've learned, um, whether it be through the sports, whether it be through artistic abilities, whether it be through music or even fundraising, having that personal connection to the charities that um, they've done services for and they've provided, um, whether it be money or work to them. being able to take that out into community and continue doing the good work that they did on the inside.
0: One of the reasons why we do this podcast and share so much on our blog and our social media channels is because most people listening to this or or following our Facebook account will have never been inside a state correctional institution. You got almost 20 years in uh, working for the DOC now. When you're at a cocktail party or, or a holiday party and folks find out what you do, what do you have any stories that you tell them that would surprise them of the, the positive things that go on in, in the facility? Something that uh, they might not think
1: happens in an SEI? Um, I find many times when people ask me what I do for my career, um, they're astounded. Um, they first think that I'm either a teacher or a nurse, um, and then when I tell them where I work, one of the first responses I get is, do they come out of their cells? Uh, Many times people watch the TV shows and think that, you know, um, the inmates are locked down 23 hours a day. But then when you come in, you see they're walking amongst you. They're working amongst you. They're having interactions and conversations with you. They're living a daily life like everybody else does on the outside. Um, There's just restraints, you know, constraints that come in with that. Um, But many of the times I find that it's just a lack of knowledge and lack of, knowledge of what services are available inside the institutions um what activities are made available to individuals in order to be able to prepare them um i think one of the the biggest um, things that they are surprised about is cable tv and movies um i know my um my ex-father-in-law we used to have a debate all the time about this about well why why would um inmates get to watch cable why should they have cable and I would have this debate with them all the time and state well if you want them to come out to live next door to you and be a productive citizen they have to know what's going on just like you do we can't um, lock somebody in for five years and then have them come out and have five years of displacement for the world you know if they've been incarcerated for a long time they may not know how to run you know drive a car or use a Mac machine or, you know, anything along those lines. So being able to keep them connected to the real world is um, huge and that um, being able to do that and with these departments, especially with the activities department, that helps fill that gap so they have a smoother transition when they do come out.
0: I always chuckle at the folks that are upset about flat screen TVs. For some reason, they they always like to toss in that descriptor of flat screen as if you've been able to buy a non-flat screen TV in the past 20 years. That's how you could find a square tube TV. They're they're not out there anymore, right? And for folks that are wondering, correctional cable is not the same thing as going to Comcast and getting your 200, sa- 200 channel satellite, right? Not at all. <laughs> can, do you, can you talk a little bit about the uh, television operating facilities? Is that in
1: your area of expertise? Um, I deal more with the movies and the music that is played. The uh, the cable the the channels are limited as far as what is available our activities department run dedicated channels where they do provide movies um, for viewing to to watch in between maybe in the evening once they've come back from working Um, educational documentaries or videos uh, that are um, of interest to the population and then we also provide um, xm radio channels so there's music because music makes the world go round
0: Thanks again to Jennifer Digby for joining us and for all the work she and her team do at each of the SCIs. The Pennsylvania Prisons and Parole Podcast is a production of the DOC Press and Communications Office. For more DOC content, you can check out our blog at cor.pa.gov and our social media channels, Facebook, LinkedIn, and X are all updated almost every day. We're at Corrections PA on all platforms. On behalf of executive producer Kurt Bope and the rest of the team, thank you for listening. Until next time.